This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swan Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. It's been two weeks since I've been able to say that. You know that? You know that? It's been two whole podcasts where I've been like, what's up, what's up? I'm here with not the one, not the only. I'm here with Sean. And Sean just rolls with it. There's one he time does. he said, me amo, Sean, and someone got mad at him for his Spanish, but I finally got to put a little gusto behind that one to start, because the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson, is back in the building. You were not fired there, champ. No, I was not fired, <laughs> and I also wasn't just sitting at home playing or watching Hollywood Squares. No, you weren't. You weren't. No, you you saw wasn't. that? Because Sean was, Sean, before one of the podcasts, was watching Little Hollywood Squares. I know, that's why I brought it up. Uh, okay. Because he I has nothing else one. to do with his life right well, now. you know, Sean, he does a lot for us during the day. He does a he, lot for he, us. He does. He does. <laughs> he does. But, but uh, apparently at night he needs to get a little bit more excitement going on. what a day to be back there, Brandon, because you're coming back at the best time. Because it is today. The combine is officially over. We've done our pre-combine. We've done our bus. We've done our sleepers for the NBA draft. And today we get to do our final big board of the season. So if you're new to a big board, what we do is we just go 1 through 25. We start at 25, go to 1. Split it into three segments for you on YouTube, three individual videos. Before we get into the big board, though, a little bit of housekeeping for you guys. Number one, if you want to support us here on MVP, go to patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast, $10 tier. You can give $10, and each time you're at that reward, you can become a patron and come on a podcast with us. Anyone, the Onside Kick, the Primetime Podcast, the Fast Break, and you can change and interchange between each month that you're at that tier. Number two, we have a store. Store link down below into the description. Get yourself an MVP t-shirt. Mostvalablepodcast.com also has the store, but it also has everything for MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, if you're on Apple Podcast and iTunes, go and give the Primetime Podcast and all the MVP podcasts a five-star rating. And then type a little something. Tell them why you like. R still has that SEC review. Where apparently all we talk about is the SEC. Apparently that is the only review still up there. So we need you guys to go there. Write some write some good things about the Primetime Podcast and how much you love listening to the show each and every week. But Brandon, we are now going to get into our NBA Big Board. How we do it is, like I said, 25 through 1. We split them up into segments. We'll let you go first. Give me your... What would it be? 16 through 25. You would think four of these. I would get this by now. But 16 <laughs> through 25, starting with 25, who you got? All right. So at uh, 25, I've got Kevin Herter, uh, strong forward out of Maryland, a newcomer to the board. Mm-hmm. At 24, I've got Anthony Simons. Sorry, uh, Anthony, we've been saying your name <laughs> incorrectly for the last uh, couple months uh, as we've been doing this. High schooler, point guard, shooting guard. At 23, I've got Jacob Evans. The uh, shooting guard out of Cincinnati at 22. I've got Kyrie Thomas, shooting guard from Creighton. At 21, I've got Mitchell Robinson, the center from high school. At 20, Kevin Knox, uh, Kentucky, the strong forward. At 19, John Tay Porter, the center from Mizzou. At 18, I've got Zaire Smith, the shooting guard slash strong forward from Texas Tech. At 17, Dante DiVincenzo, shooting guard from Villanova. And at 16, from Boise State, strong forward, Chandler 
Hutchison. Well, and then getting right into my number 25, falling a little bit for me, Mitchell Robinson, the center out of high school. Number 24, Zaire Smith, the guard forward. However you classify him, I have him as a guard out of Texas Tech. Then number 23, Jacob Evans, a forward from Cincinnati. Number 22, Aaron Holiday, the guard from UCLA, UCLA. 21, Troy Brown, the forward from the Oregon Ducks, quack, quack. Number 20, Jalen Brunson, the Illinois native from Lincolnshire, guard out of Villanova. 19, Kata Bates-Diop, the forward from the Ohio State University. Then at number 18, Zana Musa, the forward from overseas. Number 17, Gary Trent Jr., the guard from Duke. And then at 16, Robert Williams, the big man, the four or five, however you want to look at it, out of Texas A&M. And the first guy I want to mention, because there's three of them that we have highlighted. The first one I want to mention is a guy who was in your big board. I didn't have him in my big board, kind of as a little preemptive to the news that is coming out this past week that Jonte Porter is thinking or leaning, I should say, with air quotes, leaning about going back to school. So, Brandon, what I will ask you to kind of open up this topic is basically, Jonte Porter, what happens in the draft if Jonte decides, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be like my brother. I'm coming back to Mizzou. I'm going to play another year in college. Well, you know, I think that after actually looking at what he did, over that that combine weekend, mm-hmm. it may be actually best for him to to go back. Uh, he's got the skills, he does have the talent, the tools are there, but unfortunately, he didn't show them mm-hmm. at that combine. And I have him in my big board. Then you may be saying, Brandon, if you think that he should go back, if you don't think that he had the most impressive combine, why do you have him there? Well, because he does have the talent. There's there's a number of guys that we can have in our big boards because they they have good talent. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of upside potential, but he did not show that. He did not show that. He he skips the scrimmage. Um, he actually tied for the worst max vertical, um, highest body fat percentage, and the slowest sprint time. All things that aren't going to help your case. Mm-hmm. So that that to me, and especially being so young, what that's saying to me is, I've got some time to improve. If this is where... A lot of people are putting me right now, if they're already having me in this conversation, if I'm already here, I can go back, I can improve, I can really tweak some things in my game, and I can come back next year mm-hmm. and see where I'm at. And that may be the best decision for Jonte right now. Yeah, and I mean, the exact thing coming out is multiple league sources say Missouri big man Jonte Porter, younger brother Michael Porter, is leaning towards returning to school Porter, that says here, scholar shooter, I thought that was an actual quote. It was not. It was just them going on with what it is. And for me, how I look at this is this is a different situation. I almost think of the Miles Bridges situation from last year, but it's different, but in a good way. Like if Jonte Porter was a lottery pick and he's like top 15, top 10, then I would say, no, don't come back to school. Get your money in the top 10. An NBA team up there isn't going to expect to win right away or depending on where you go 76ers obviously made the playoffs and they'll be a top 10 team picking because of trade but I mean if he was like Miles Bridges last year I would say stay but because of where he's at like many people think he's going to be a post lottery guy there's a lot of people I know the outcast buzz and juice and their comment sections 
a lot of commenters like, oh, the Bulls at 22 could really get Jonte Porter. And the big thing for me is the body fat thing. And it's something that, like, you don't kind of focus on. But the thing I use with that is you can go back to school, work on what you need to, and just get in better shape. I know you got to deal with classes, too, at the NBA. It's basically you're worrying just about yourself. But that, to me, is like, you know what? I'm going to go back to school get myself in a little better shape, work on what I need to work on, and then maybe I can be a lottery pick next year. Because really this year was his coming out party because of the injury to his brother. Yeah, and I think that, again, like with what you said, with what I mentioned, there's a lot of things that he can improve on. Mm -hmm. Why why come this year? Why come this year where you're going to have to be trying to make those improvements in the NBA then. Mm-hmm. And it's much more difficult. Like the NBA, if you're there, like they expect you to be able to contribute now, mm-hmm. most likely. But I, I think that, you know, that's – he's got that option. And and this it's not like he was a senior where he couldn't go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're young. You're still young. And it's okay to be able to, to go back and work those things out. And truly, better to do that in college than mm-hmm. to do that in the NBA when you're trying to – when you're already frustrated because you're trying to go out there and be the best you can every single day, but yet you're still trying to, to tweak your game, do this, do that, possibly – uh, huge changes, whether it's to uh, bulking up, losing losing body fat, gaining you know muscle, all that kind of stuff. You can do that much more effectively, and I mm-hmm. think kind of zero in on that kind of stuff in college as opposed to the NBA. Well, it's not just that. I think of I'm going to use Joel Embiid as the kind of example. You take a guy in the top five, it doesn't matter if he's not ready to play right away. You're kind of going to be like, okay, I took you in the top five. I'm going to give you a little leeway to work on your body, work on your shot, and like Joel Embiid. It wasn't immediately he was contributing. It took him a while to be the yeah. Joel Embiid that he is today. When you're a pick, a post-lottery, maybe I'm going to use the example, let's say you do go 22 to like the Bulls, then you're in a situation where it's like if you don't feel like you can compete to the level of where I can stay on the team – Jonte doesn't want to be a guy. Well, no one wants to be a guy where it's like, you know what, I'm drafted. And it's like, shit, I should have stayed in school, really working at this at that level. Now this team is bumping me to the D League, and now I've got to work on it in the D League. And then at that point, that really to me, when you're in the D League, it's not impossible, but it's a huge hole to dig out of because with that, I'd be like, just go back to school and come in next draft. And that's a huge blow to your confidence then, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does not help at all. And then you have that that block that could be there mentally yep. with your confidence. And if you don't, if you if you aren't able to get past that, mm-hmm. that's going to sink you, I think, for your entire then NBA or D League or G League or whatever league they want to call mm-hmm. it these days career. And that, that can ruin a player. It really can. Well, and I mean, the thing I also wonder, and I don't know this, I wasn't the combine but i wonder if a team at the combine might have said something to john taylor like hey you know what maybe it might be best for like like oh maybe you should think about this because on the flip side the two guys two of the guys that we have in this range your guy at 16 chandler hutchinson people are saying that he either because him and mitchell robinson both left the combine early and usually when that happens that means a team told them we are going to draft you if we get to there. So they said, fuck it, I'm outie. I don't need to work for my draft stock. I'm locked right there. And with Hutchinson, people are thinking that it's either the 
I want to say the Bulls are for sure at 22, um, and I think the Wolves are the other team. Bulls and Wolves were the teams that might have gave him a for sure that they're going to draft him. For Mitchell Robinson, apparently the Lakers were the team that's like, we're going to draft you with our first-round pick if you get there. So I wonder if a team told Jonte kind of the flip side of it, where it's like, hey, the thing that he was kind of getting from teams at the Combine was, well, maybe I might fall to the second round, and a team might take not take me in the first. Well, and I think that that's helpful, though, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for a team or officials or anything like that you know, having those conversations. And it's not a we don't want you. It's we want you mm-hmm. at your best. Yeah. You're not currently at your best. Because it's you, an investment. It, it, it's a total investment. As much as the team wants to see the player be able to have a nice mm-hmm. big payday because that's good for them, they, they get to know these guys, they know they're good people, yep. all this type of stuff. But the team cannot put in a big investment to a guy because they think they're nice or they think that they have a good personality. Mm-hmm. They've got to have that, plus they got to have the skills on the court and you know then the, the body type, too, to be able to handle the NBA when it comes down to it at the end of the day. So I think that that is good that they're having, possibly having those conversations with players, especially if they're players that are on the on the fence one way or another with how they could uh, how they could go when it comes down to it. Well, the next guy we'll bring up is Zaire Smith, and he's a guy that fell a little bit in mind because to me at the combine, the measure when the measuring up, no pun intended, Zaire Smith didn't measure up at the combine. No, you're right. Like when they did it, he checked in at six four, and that was like a what two inch difference. Than what everyone thought. Everyone was saying, oh, he's a 6'6 forward. And it's like, oh, no, he's a 6'4 forward. So, I mean, to me, he's a guy that really kind of took a fall. Maybe it's like, oh, we can't think about him at the three. At 6'4, I'm maybe thinking about him at the two. But are you going to take a first round flyer on a guy at the two like, Zay- like Zaire Smith? Like, Dave was even talking to us when it happened on the fast break, and he was like, yeah, this is a guy that I had at the end of the lottery, and now this happens. It's like, eh, you know what? He's definitely not a lottery guy, and the question is, where in the late first will he now go? Well, you know, I, I think that, again, you, you look at this. This is another young guy, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Just It was just a freshman um, at Texas Tech, a really good player. However, yes, his he didn't he didn't measure up in terms of what you just talked about, but uh, his max vertical was 41 and a half inches. That was better. That was a little bit more positive, especially for, for measuring in at 6'4". He's got really good athleticism. This is a guy that we've seen be able to run and work both sides of the floor have great energy on the court those are types of things that a a, a team will be able to I, I think kind of build I don't want to say build around in terms of he's their core player mm-hmm. but you can you can build off of that because of that energy that type of athleticism mm-hmm. the skills that you bring uh, I, I think that again at 18 years old you're certainly going based off of potential. You don't have everything right now. You're not the complete player that you're going to be come five, ten years from now. So mm-hmm. he he's I you know I put him at 18. I felt like that's around the right spot for him after what we saw happen that weekend. In mm-hmm. terms of I mean, like you said, people were shocked. People were shocked yeah. that he was quote unquote like that small. Um, so. It, 
it's uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing for him. He, you know, he falls from I think where he would have liked to have been, but uh, still a guy who's I think going well, to be taken. And the thing you got to think about also, it's both sides of the ball. Like if you're six 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 seven, all right, I can play you with the three, and then in small ball lineups, I can slide you over to the four, and you can defend a four if not. Now you're six four. It's like, well, I got to play at the two. I'm not even putting you on a four. That's completely out of the question. And another thing that will come into it, and I'm looking at a fan site article right here, and it says to quote, some teams may remove Smith from their draft boards altogether due to his status as, as a non-shooter. Zaire Smith's NBA dream isn't dead, but it may be on life support. He'll need to give teams excellent private workouts if he wants to stay in the first round of this year's draft. And I mean, you look at his stats from last year, yeah, he shot 45% from beyond the arc, but he only took 40 shots. So it's like, to me, if you're going to be a two guard now and not a three and you can't shoot, why would I draft you? I mean, for me, I put him at 24 because of like they said, I kind of feel the same thing of like, his dream's not dead, but this was not a good combine week for Zaire Smith and he's going to have to do a lot of work at private workouts to show, hey, I can shoot. I That stat, I can shoot. I just need more opportunities and maybe feel more comfortable in my shot. It's not just that as a shooter either. Though that's been one of the knocks against league. him. Oh my gosh. I mean <laughs> beyond. Beyond. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's I mean if you look at what's going on in the NBA mm-hmm. Right now, when I say the NBA right now, I mean like the 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 uh, the playoffs. Yep. I mean what you're looking at are shooters. Yep. Shooters. Shooters are winning the games. Shooters are winning the games, and we can get back to that yep. later on because mm-hmm. I'll I'll have a point on that later too um, as we go farther in this um, big board, but. It's it's also his ball handling ability. Mm-hmm. You know he needs to get stronger with that, more confident in that, being able to move the floor and drive and everything like that. You 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 add that with with shooting ability, you're looking at a possibly questionable player. I I hate to say that, but a, a team isn't going to take again a guy and just kind of eh, we'll take a flyer on this guy. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that. So. I, I think that uh, it's important, like you said, for him to have some strong showings for individual teams themselves. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to grow in terms of those kind of two areas. But, though, I mean, those are biggies. Those are mm-hmm. big ones. Well, and the last guy we'll mention and kind of talk about is the guy you had out of Maryland at your 25 spot. Yeah, so 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 Kevin Herter, and and I know that some people may still be wondering who he is, but you shouldn't be or like if you were paying people, attention to the combine. Some people may be saying, like, Brandon, what are you doing? He's a second-round talent at best. Like, there may be some out there that think that. Well, they can go ahead and think that. And, he, <laughs> and you know, he may very well be, but this was mm-hmm. one of the biggest guys to move up yeah. draft boards on that combine weekend he had one of he was one of the biggest winners from Chicago um, that weekend he impressed in the scrimmage he had a really uh I, I think a, a good highlight reel for his shooting for his passing ability two great things a team want to want want to see he also I think wooed people with his athletic skills and and his testing 38 inches in the max vertical, a top 10 in lane agility, shuttle run and sprint. Now this is another guy who could potentially, based off of again, you know, um, are they because st- they're still able to? I mean, we just mm-hmm. talked about a minute they can, ago. They're still able to go back if they want. The the only thing is 
Um, like John Ted, the reason why he can pull back if they've signed an agent, yeah. no, they can't. If not, they haven't I'm not signed sure. An agent, I'm not sure about Kevin Herter, okay. but I can like, tell Di you Vincenzo that Vincenzo came in not yeah. signing an agent. But I can tell you with Herter mm-hmm. is that this is a guy who already has, I think, really impressed this this off season and with what he did at the combine. If he went back to Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, just a sophomore, if he went back for his junior uh, season campaign. I, I, you know, I, I could see him, you know, being a, a, a mid rounder or, you know, in the 15s or something like that come next year if he's able to build off of what he did. But he also may want to try and stick it out and stick around here because he is so close. Me having him mm-hmm. at 25, other people probably having him in the 30s or something like that, which isn't terribly far off. Well, and the thing that I look at, and I want to pull up one more guy before I kind of go and make this, okay, I will go ahead and make this comparison. The thing that I kind of look at is, and I feel like there might be some people that say, Ricky, you throw this comparison out a lot. Don't look at the player I'm comparing him to. Look at what that player does for a team and how he can fit that role, how Kevin could fit that role on a team. When I looked at everything that he brings, so he's 6'7", he's got good wingspan, He's a guy that can defend on the perimeter, can shoot from the perimeter. He's basically your Clay Thompson. Yeah. He can do everything. Like, he's not going to be exactly Clay Thompson, but if you're sitting there as a team, late first, early second, even if he's there mid second, you can go ahead and take him if he's there and he can develop. You, you'd have to develop him, but you could basically develop him, put a little meat on them because. Really, he's like 180, I think, and like Clay Thompson is like 215. So you got to add some muscle to Herder. But I mean, you add that muscle, you develop him right. He could do everything that you need that Clay Thompson does. That one where it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe it's a team that drafts Trey Young. And then in the second round, they have a pick, they take him because it's like, you know what? We're going to develop him to kind of be the guy to be next to. Trey Young in the future where, hey, maybe we have a point guard that isn't really the best defender and we can have him out there and develop him into our main guy to say, hey, you're going to lock down this number one defender. That's more of the Mikhail Bridges side of it, but I feel like Herter could be a good 3 and D guy for a team and be kind of a budget Clay Thompson. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. And and kind of what you were saying with with uh, Trey Young, you know, mm-hmm. bringing another guy kind of after him, yeah, um, to to kind of pair him there. Uh, I don't think again. I don't think that's a bad idea. But this with with Kevin Herter, and again, you know, there aren't necessarily a ton of things. I'll uh, you know put the spoiler out there mm-hmm. now. A ton of things that changed in my big board, but this was probably one of the biggest things of having him coming on. But I couldn't leave him out after everything mm-hmm. that he had done, which seemed like everything went right for him. At the combine, I couldn't leave him out of it just because he. I felt like he had such a jump mm-hmm. from a guy that we hadn't talked about, we hadn't mentioned his name, we hadn't mentioned Maryland, and he has that boom. Had to put. Him I in. think the only time we mentioned Maryland was on my first big board. I had Justin Jackson, who was injured with a shoulder injury the whole year. That seems forever That's the ago. Only time that we have mentioned Maryland. On our big board, but yeah, I just feel like this range, 16 through 25, this is the range that gets jumbled around from the combine the most because guys like Herter come up and they fly up like Zaire. It's like, oh, he's two inches shorter, and then people panic, and some may say, Ricky, you're panicking, putting him all the way at 24, 
We'll close this off with one last thing. Who's one guy in this range that we didn't talk about that you're like, you know what, I just want to kind of blow some steam up his way and kind of prep him up a little bit, give him a little bit of a spotlight. Dante DiVincenzo. Okay. Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, this guy's an absolute stud all the way around. We saw exactly what he did in the tournament this past year. Mm -hmm. 31 points. 31 points in the national championship game. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, he, He followed that up with a really good combine. He continues to impress, I think, everybody and all the teams that are watching him. He's just, he's a really good player. He's a really good player, and I think that this is the type of guy who is going to find himself a role. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what role that's going to be on an NBA team, but he will find one. And who who knows? He could end up being a six-man mm-hmm. for the NBA because, I mean, what perfect energy to have coming off the bench who could pour in 12, 15 points, whatever that might be. That that would be awesome. Or he just becomes <clears throat> the next Ryan Archie Diacono and plays for the Bulls in garbage time. There you go. <laughs> or just play for the Bulls because yeah. they're garbage. The guy that I'm going to bring up is Gary Trent Jr. I loved what he did at the Combine. He's one to me, jumped back up into the top 25. I'm not quite sure he gets drafted in 16 to 25 when it's actual mock draft time. But, I mean, for me, I like what he did. I like what he does. And another Duke guy to put up there along with him, Grayson Allen, Duval, obviously Bagley and Carter up at the top of this, but this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Some of the guys we mentioned, some of the guys we didn't, and who are your big jumpers into your personal big boards from the Combine this past week. Let's move on, though, into the next part of our big board, 6 through 15. But, Brandon, as you know, as they probably know by now, we don't start at 6. We start at 15, going from the bottom kind of inching our way up the big board ladder all the way to the tippy top. Start with your 15. Take us through 15 through 6. All right, 15, Ricky. Starting off with Colin Sexton from Alabama, the point guard, shooting guard. At 14, DeAnthony Melton from USC, point guard slash shooting guard. At 13, Shea Gilgis Alexander, the point guard from Kentucky. At 12, Robert Williams, the center from Texas A&M. At 11, Lonnie Walker, the shooting guard from Miami. At number 10, Miles Bridges, Michigan State. Uh, Strong forward, power forward. At number 9, Wendell Carter Jr., center from Duke. At 8, Michael Porter Jr., the power forward from Mizzou. At 7, Mikael Bridges, the strong forward from Villanova. And at 6, Mr. Trey Young, the point guard from Oklahoma. Well, I'm going right into mine. Number 15, Kyrie Thomas, the guard out of Creighton. Number 14, Lonnie Walker, the guard out of the U, Miami out of Florida. Number 13, Shea Gilders Alexander, the, well, actually, I'm going to go back. Lonnie Walker from the U. Got to throw up a good U there. I felt like the U that I threw up was kind of like, eh, you know what, it was a weak U. So I'm throwing up a good U. Now number 13, Shea Gilders Alexander, guard from Kentucky. Uh, Big Blue Nation, is that what they call that? Big Blue Nation. Then at number 12, Miles Bridges, the forward from Michigan State. Number 11, Colin Sexton, the guard from Alabama. Then number 10, Kevin Knox, or as you call them before we started the podcast, Kevin Knox, the forward out of Kentucky. Then number 9, Wendell Carter Jr., 
the big man out of Duke, a different shade of blue from that Kentucky Wildcat team. And then another team with blue in its colors, Mikhail Bridges, the forward out of Villanova Hova. And then at seven, Michael Porter Jr., the forward out of Mizzou. And then at six, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., the forward from Michigan State. And the guy I want to start with, Brandon, is this guy you had in your first segment. You had him all the way at 20. I've got him at 10. What's going on in your head when it comes to Kevin Knox? Well, with Kevin Knox, the guy is going to be tough to defend um, on the wing perimeter at 6'9". Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's he's got that going for him. He's a really good three-point shooter. Um, he has that, and then he's really able to make, I think, some plays happen off the screen. So, however... Things that aren't necessarily as good for him, he's not that strong of a rebounder. He He's not going to be a guy who's going to get a whole lot of rebounds um, at the rim. He's not outside of being able to get some, make some plays happen off the screen. Mm-hmm. He's not a true playmaker. He really had a lot of, I think, a, a good supporting cast uh, at Kentucky, which they always do, but it wasn't necessarily him. And, and then finally... He, as many guys, well, as it doesn't matter, I guess, but he, his defense could be better as well. He, he wasn't the strongest when it, came, uh, when it came to the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like there's a, a smaller margin for him to be able to, to, to mess up. Yep. He, he's got to be really, really good. He's got to be a really good three-point shooter mm-hmm. and really be able to create off the screen because these things over here, mm-hmm. they're not working as much in his favor. Yep. And that's why that's why the, the difference between you having him at 10, mm-hmm. me having him at 20. Well, I, I know the reason why we have him 10 and you have him at 20 is, first off, when it comes to his defense, the best way I've seen it put is he takes too many naps on defense. Kind of sleeps a little bit. Oh no, guys behind but, me! But again, come, when you come to the NBA, mm-hmm. you're you're encouraged to take yeah. a nap on defense. Well, yeah, most teams don't play a lot of defense unless it's like, oh crap, we really got to play defense. And for me, with Kevin Knox, the thing that the reason why I have him at ten is straight potential. And for me, yeah, he is a raw prospect. But I mean, there is what, a he's team. 18? There's a team in the combine, I believe. Well, not in the combine, in the lottery. I meant to say that is going to get Kevin Knox and are going to be able to bring the best out of him. Like, is he going to be a star player for your team? No, I don't think he'll be superstar level. I don't even think he'll be star level. He will be a quality, at his best, quality starter in the NBA. Think Tobias Harris for the um, L.A. Clippers. Just a quality starter that you have on there. It's not like anyone where it's like, oh, man, you know, he could be replaced. It's like, no. He is a definite starter for our team. He fits this role that we have him play, but he's not a superstar or a star on this team. And I feel like the people that have him lower, like you do out of the top 15, it's one of those things where, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's, hey, I see all of this, and I don't think a team is going to get all that potential to where he's not going to be what everyone on my side of the table believes he can be with his potential yeah you know i think that again it's you know uh, we always mention it i know i always Mm -hmm. do because i always 
I always want to be, and especially for our, our, our loyal viewers, is a lot of times they'll ask us questions. Well, why are you doing that? Well, why are you putting him there? Well, why are you putting him there? A lot of times with me, it's either based off of what I see him doing with potential mm-hmm. or maybe not necessarily getting to yeah. with all the potential or all the hype that someone will have for him. So you clearly mm-hmm. are going into, and I want to say feeding into the potential, mm-hmm. but seeing what's there, whereas I'm more so right now. Mm-hmm. The, the other things, I don't want to say the, 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 the complete negatives, but the things that he's not as strong as for me they weigh a little heavier than the mm-hmm. things that he is. Well, and I mean, the thing that I like most about Kevin Knox is, is were the percentages great? No. But it's one of those they're things just percentages. where... I, I know they're just percentages, but I mean, the percentages weren't good, but when it came to spotting, being a spot-up shooter, when it came to coming off of screens as a shooter, was he perfect? No. But I felt like, all oh, right, there's strong. enough there... To where an NBA team could look at that and work with that. And, like, the way of him as a scorer, it's like, you know what? Was he one of those where it's like he's going to be the guy with the ball and he's going to be our dominant scorer? No, he's not a Colin Sexton-type player, but he knows how to move without the ball. And also, he kind of has that, all right, where am I supposed to be? Where am I going to get my spot? And to me, that's what I think a team in the lottery is going to be like, hey, you know what, we need to take him. We can get the most out of him. Really, it's to me, a coach would tell his GM, hey, I can get the most out of this kid. Let's go ahead and take him in the lottery. That's why I have him in the top 10, although the defense does need a little bit of work. You know, he's not the best. Like, he settled for a lot of mid-range jumpers. Can you kind of extend him more out in the three-ball range in the NBA? That's going to be kind of wait and see on that one. Well, that's the point that I was going to bring up a little bit, too, is that if we just want to talk NBA, Mm -hmm. which is all we really need to, because that's where you're going now. That's where you're headed. Can you just take kind of take away everything else? So, yeah, he may not Mm -hmm. get you the rebounds. He may not play the best defense, but he's going to be able to get you a lot of points from beyond Mm -hmm. the arc. And he's going to be able to create again off the screen. and, And that and then you can really pour in a lot of points from those mm-hmm. two things. So are you going to look at a team and, uh, and possibly have him be higher? I mean, again, I'm 20, you're 10. I mean, mm-hmm. wait, maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe like a 15, because they see, okay, you may not be able to save us on this end, mm-hmm. but you're going to be able to save us on that end when the ball's in your hand and you're shooting it from beyond the arc. Yeah, and I mean, for me, the team, and maybe this is me thinking a little bit of the draft order, if he did go at 10... He's going to Philadelphia. Doesn't need to be the guy with the ball. That's Ben Simmons. He's got Markel Fultz. He's got Joel Embiid. He's got other guys that can contribute as well. Doesn't really need to be the main guy. So he can kind of just fit in to, all right, how am I going to be the scorer on this team? That, to me, would be a good fit for him. But it all depends on, I mean, New York could be a team that takes him. Really, to me, it's anyone from 9 on could be a team that takes him. And the thing I kind of want to ask you, and I know this is, off of what we kind of prepped before the podcast is Sean and I had a discussion two weeks ago while you were away on your two week sabbatical. And the, one of the things we talked about mainly around the Knox bridges, bridges, Knox and the bridges brothers who are not related. I want to ask you your thoughts on the kind of 
best wing in this draft debate? Because obviously, if we go off the big board, both of us agree, Miles or Mikhail Bridges is the best wing in this draft. I mean, with you, Michael Porter, like you said, power forward, so you're not even having them in that discussion. But when you look at it, I have Knox, then Miles Bridges. You have Miles Bridges and then Knox. So I mean, you didn't really get to weigh your thoughts on that debate. What were your What are your thoughts on the whole wing situation? Bridges, Bridges, and Knox. Well, to be honest with you, is that based off of <clears throat> what I was able to talk about and what I've talked about with Kevin Knox, mm-hmm. those are some of the same Knox. Don't hate me. Pun intended. Um, that uh, Pun was totally intended. Totally it was. <laughs> that 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 Miles Bridges has gotten. Uh huh. That is what Miles Bridges hey, was got. Was he showed all up year and long. Lost some weight. He, he, well, like, that's good. Sean's big criticism in that segment was that he's like, I don't want to call him fat, but I'm kind of calling him fat. And then Bridges shows up the combine. It's like, holy shit, he lost a ton of weight this offseason. Well, I, I think it's it's one of those things where a lot of people said, okay, this guy is a guy who can score, mm-hmm. but he's just kind of a straight line drive to the basket type of guy. You know, he can he can create a little bit off of the screen. But he's not a true playmaker. That's what a lot of people have kind of, you know, put the knock against Bridges is that this it's the same type of things that they've put against Kevin Knox. It's mm-hmm. the same type of things when I say, however, they, they're not wrong, is we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. We didn't see when the Michigan State Spartans took on Syracuse in the tournament, Mm -hmm. Bridges didn't take over that game. He didn't go and become this playmaker. And yes, a very different type of game because of the way that Syracuse plays Mm -hmm. defense. Very good. Well, it's a unique zone defense. It is. And it's it's the best. Mm -hmm. But still, he wasn't able to become the playmaker. Give me the ball. I'm going to go make the play. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go this. I'm going to lead us to victory. He didn't have that, and I don't want the discussion to be necessarily about Miles Bridges, yeah. but that's that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's the knock. That's the 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 negative is that if that's all you can do, if you can, you know, if you're on and you're shooting from three, good, but if you're not, what else are you going to do? What mm-hmm. else are you going to do to get out of that slump? What else are you going to do to, you know, bring us points? What other players are you going to be able to make? That's the point. Well, and kind of moving on, because I kind of asked you that question, so going on in Bridges was totally fine, because I set you up for that one. But moving on to the next guy we were going to talk about is, now this is a guy I got a lot of flack about in the comment section of Sean and I's bust video that we did, because I mentioned that I could see him maybe being a bust, but I'm not quite sure, and that's Lonnie Walker. And I saw the video during the combine of his vert, were ridiculous vert, and I just looked at it, and I did one of these, and I went, oh, I'm going to hear about it in that video. I'm like, I'm going to hear about it, because I didn't say, like, it's not like, oh, man, Lonnie Walker's going to be a bust. I just don't know about Lonnie Walker, because, yeah, can he be a really good scorer at the next level? Yes. But for me, it's, with Lonnie Walker, it's first off the injury from college, and it looked a lot better at the combine, I will say that. There's two of... Are you just going to be a scorer that settles for, like, contested jumpers? Or are you going to be a scorer and have different tools to your game as well? See, 
with Lonnie Walker, he's an interesting situation because you look at his his time in Miami and you mm-hmm. look at his numbers in Miami. They're not wonderful. Yeah, they don't jump but off. But everyone page. has to remember his injury. Yeah, everyone has to remember he's injured for the first part of the season. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he was able to show every single thing that he had. He didn't showcase everything. Mm -hmm. But what he did do is he did showcase a lot of really, really good things come combine. And like you said, his 40-inch vert, and then he was second in the shuttle run, third in the sprint. I mean, the guy is athletic. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just an athletic player. And then, I mean, you look at everything else that he has, the tools. Like I said, the athleticism. Shot making ability, everything like that, you put that all together. Lonnie Walker's gonna make, I think, a pretty nice NBA player. We just haven't necessarily seen it all yet. But mm-hmm. on so many guys, we haven't seen it all. We haven't seen it all on guys who have played a full year plus multiple more years. <laughs> so we haven't seen it all yet. That's for sure with Lonnie Walker, and that's what makes him, I think, exciting. And and, and that's certainly why I, I put him at my spot of uh, number 11. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I mean, going off of what you just said, I thought you were going to go a little bit more there, but 14 for me. Basically what that says is he's a fringe lottery guy for me. Like right now I feel like it's could he be a lottery pick? Yeah, he could. A team late in the lottery, 12, 13, 14, Maybe 11 could take him, but at the same time, I could see him being a guy that goes 15, 16, 17, and is just outside the lottery as well. Like, I don't know which team inside the lottery or outside the lottery are going to fall in love with him and want to take him. So that's why I kind of had him at 14, just kind of like that. You're on the fence. I have you slightly in the lottery but I could see you tipping and falling out of the lottery and going 15 through wherever if he does fall farther. I, I don't see him falling farther, though. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, that's the whole point. And I don't know if you're still trying to be, well, I called him uh, bust. Oh, I, want him, I no, want him to continue to do that. No, but, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It's just I don't know whether, like, Lonnie Walker's not a guy that I have fallen in love with this draft process. And he is a guy that I am literally, if I had to do it, I'm this about. Where I don't know at the next level, is he going to be great? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be a bust? I have no idea. Like, I can't put my finger on it. And that's why I have him at 14. Because it's like, you know what? I could see him being a lottery pick. But I could also see him not being a lottery pick and getting picked like 15 through 18. Well, I'll tell tell you what, though, is that and not meaning that every single person who does well at the combine Mm -hmm. is going to go off to have a great career. Everyone who does poorly is going to go off to have a crappy career. Mm -hmm. But when you come and you're able to have show off the skills that he had, like I mentioned, the the different activities and he was um, or or skill Mm -hmm. whatever's. I don't know what they want to call him, Um, but uh, the skill whatever's. that's very encouraging. We're going to make a shirt that just says skill whatever. <laughs> I'll wear it. Um, but uh, I, I, those, that's encouraging. That's mm-hmm. extremely encouraging. Those, that's what you want to have. And there's no reason then why you shouldn't be going up people's big boards. Mm-hmm. Is because, again, the tools that you already had, your shooting, your athleticism, and then you bring your athleticism and you put it on display – 
th- that's that's just reassuring. That's encouraging. You look healthy. Mm-hmm. That's also a big thing, especially after having an injury that keeps you out for a half of the season. Well, I mean, you mentioned injury. Let's go right into it to kind of end this segment. Michael Porter Jr., you got him at eight. I got him at seven. I'll be completely honest. I almost wanted so I almost did exactly what you did. You had McHale at seven, Porter at eight. I had Porter at seven, McHale at eight. And I almost put McHale above him because I'm I'm like, you know what? Did we get any real answers about the injury from Michael Porter Jr. at the combine? Like Really, the only thing that everyone's talking about is in an interview, he said, oh, healthy, I'm the greatest, I'm the best player in the draft. And I looked at that and went, no shit, every player is going to say that. If you ask Doncic, Bamba, Aiton, Bagley, Young, Jackson, Porter, all of them are going to say, I'm the best player in this draft. So I, I looked at that and I went, that means nothing to me. Did we get enough answers at the Combine to make us not weary of the injury for Michael Porter Jr.? No. No, but you also didn't. But for a second, I was like, "Please elaborate." Don't but, just but, say but, no. Not, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. No, I don't think so. Um, no, here's the thing, though, is that we didn't see him come back to be completely healed. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, look at me. I can do every single thing that I I I, I could do before. But also, the thing is that I, he didn't do anything, and maybe this is an injury. But you have to almost think it might be, is that he didn't reassert himself mm-hmm. as being a top five, top three, or even, in his mind, the top pick in this draft. He didn't do anything for anyone, I don't think, unless you're smoking crack, to say, mm-hmm, yeah, he, he did. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's like you you didn't come out, you didn't impress and woo and wow. You came out and you you did what we kind of pretty much expected you were going to do because it's kind of what you've been doing. And I'm not saying you're a bad player. I'm not saying that he is losing stock. He's just kind of where he is now, mm-hmm. and. That's how I feel on Michael Porter Jr. Here's the thing that I want to ask you, because obviously didn't do any drills. He's going to save it for the individual team workouts. And, I mean, with the measurements, almost 6'11". He was about 6'10 and three quarters with shoes on. His wingspan just over seven feet. He was about seven and a quarter. The thing, though, that I want to ask you about is when and i'm looking here um from bleacher report they're like oh his body fat percentage was a bit average but they're looking at that going well yeah he didn't play the entire year maybe that's because he's kind of like that's maybe why he's lacking the bulk that we would want from him do you think that's might be a little bit of the reason i know most lottery most high end lottery picks don't do drills at the combine they save it for individual workouts but could that have been a little bit of the reason why it's like you know what i'll wait for the individual workouts it could be i'm not in the peak shape that i want to be in and i don't want to hurt my draft stuff and he's not i think you're right he's he's not in that shape yet and that's that again though is is not comforting Mm -hmm. you know i mean especially for especially for someone and i don't i don't want to say that i'm some humongous bulls fan i mean 
I like would like him to do well, mm-hmm. but I don't watch him. Um, but I wouldn't want to get him. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want him to be on the Bulls. Well, the big news from the NBA side, and I think we're probably going to talk about this on the fast break. We should because it's a big story, is the team that looks like they could be trading up for him is the Clippers. They could be trading their 12 and 13 pick to move up for Michael Porter. So, I mean, we'll see where he goes. To me, though, I didn't think we got enough questions Mike, from no, him at you, the combine. You, you, you didn't have well, enough stuff answered. answered. You didn't have enough yeah. stuff answered about him. And I, I get that you don't want to you know, perform a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but that also then doesn't speak to, and again, I don't want to, I don't, I'm saying this about him because mm-hmm. he's coming off of an injury. Yeah. You know, if, well, if, 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 if the mystique around him is also unique too, because coming into college, oh, he's the best prospect in this draft. He's going to be number one. Then the injury happens. Now he's about seven, eight, six, and some big boards. And then you've got video people bringing up past video from like last year when he was still in high school about him going one-on-one with um, Dennis Smith Jr. and Dennis Smith just blowing by him almost every time. So, I mean, he's kind of like a unique case of like, well, did we overhype him coming into the season? Is it all because of the injury? What's going on with MPJ? He had a significant back injury. Mm -hmm. He had a significant back injury that he came back early from that I think he rushed to get back. And at the end of the day, I don't think it really did anything. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't it help you. You, you didn't you didn't you didn't help lead your team, mm-hmm. you know, to the elite eight mm-hmm. or, you know, anything like you didn't you didn't do that. You needed to focus. And I know this sounds selfish, but you needed to focus on you. You knew what, what you were going to be doing after the season. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a question. You knew what you wanted to do. You should have made sure taken more time, mm-hmm. maybe not come back and played. And we talked about that. Yeah. Should he come back? Should he not come back? Mm-hmm. And Which I don't think he's hired an agent either. I think both the Porters have not hired agents yet. I, I just, I think that we've seen the emergence of the other freshman bigs. They're better than him. Um, he's a risky pick. He's a risky pick right now. If, mm-hmm. if, I'm, an NBA, if I'm, I'm an NBA club... That's a risky pick to me. And if I can take some other guys before him, maybe even who are underneath him. I've got Wendell Carter Jr. Mm-hmm. at nine. Maybe I take Wendell Carter Jr. instead. And it's funny you say that because I'm going to bring the Bulls into this because of what I've seen on the outcasts in their comment section. They recently talked about what the Bulls could do with their pick. And just to watch the comment section, like, all four, MPJ, MPJ, MPJ. I'm with that, too. I would love to draft MPJ and get him in a Bulls uniform. However, there is a ton of commenters that I've seen on the Bulls side that have been like, I don't know what, why people think we should draft Wendell Carter Jr. I don't want Wendell Carter Jr. And I look at it and I go, he's not my second choice, but like. I like what Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah. can bring to a team. I do too. Like, and that's a whole of a fit thing, but like us on a big board, like, there's a reason he's in my top 10. Like, the only reason he's not higher is because I feel like the eight guys ahead of him, I could not for no any reason put him above anyone in my top eight. Well, I'll tell you what is funny, and I think I said this the, the last time when we talked about um, mm-hmm. Wendell Carter Jr., is that 
And a lot of stuff that I looked at, a lot of stuff that I read, there were people that were making, having reports out there but saying he that he Bagley. was better than Bagley. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's not many people out there that are going to necessarily believe that. Yeah. But if you look at it, if you look at the stats, mm-hmm. if you look at it in some of the games, how they played, you especially, sit back and you go. Hmm. Especially later on, wasn't that that Syracuse game where it was like, Wendell Carter comes off, Syracuse goes on a run with Bagley out there, and, like, team looks lost, Wendell Carter comes in, boom, everything is saved. So, I mean, it, yeah. that's a microcosm of it. It but is. I mean, Wendell Carter is going to be the interesting one. He could have rose in mine, but there's no way I could have put him above anyone in my top eight. But this is where I want to turn the conversation on to you guys. What do you guys think about the guys we talked about? Six through fifteen. What do you think about the guys we ranked here? Who would be in your six through fifteen? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's end the podcast going through our one through five. Our last, the tippy top. This is the last segment we will ever have on a big board for twenty eighteen. Not until twenty nineteen. We may, we may do a way too early big board. Right I'm after sure you'll make the us NBA <laughs> draft. But let's start with you over there. Take us through one through five, starting at number five. All right, number five, Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State, the center. At number four, Mo Bamba. I know somebody else doesn't have him at number four. The center from Texas. At three, Marvin Bagley, the third. The center from Duke. At number two, Luka Doncic from Slovenia, the point guard. And at number uno, hasn't changed at all, DeAndre Ayton. Center from Zona. Has your did your top five change at all? I don't the, think it did. N- let me look. I um, I don't think so. Let's see. You maybe had, for the three you had Aiton, Doncic, Bagley, and then you had Bamba Carter. So you had Wendell Carter in your top five. Now okay. Wendell Carter has fallen a lot out of your top five. But to go into mine, number five. The guard from Oklahoma, Trey Young. Then at number four, Marvin Bagley the third, the big man out of Duke. Then at number three, DeAndre Ayton, the big man out of Arizona. And some of you might be going, wait, what? What? Ayton at three? What does that mean? That means Mo Bamba's at number two. Mo Bamba. Number two on my big board, number one, Luka Doncic, the guard from overseas. I want to start with Mo Bamba, had a ridiculous combine when it came especially to the measurements. Not only is he a seven-foot center, I believe he set a record for this. He has a 7'10 wingspan, Brandon. 7'10. What are you thinking about Mo Bamba coming out of the combine? Well, also, don't forget that people are falling in love with his personality, too. Oh, I, They're just I loving him. You well already ahead, are there. I was well ahead of that train. I saw that jump interview, and I was like, I wouldn't be mad if the Bulls traded both their picks to move up from Obamba. Would not be upset whatsoever. Here's what I think. And, and the last time that we talked about Mobamba, I really want to stress that, mm-hmm. is that this guy is probably the best shot blocker in in this class. Yep. I mean, I, I think you could pretty much say almost hands down. Mm-hmm. And his defensive ability, it's golden. The last time we were talking, we talked about why is it that people say you can't build around a defensive guy. 
We got some comments. We got some some people to chime in on that. And I thank you. It makes sense. It makes sense why. It makes more sense why. But this is a guy that if he could just, I think, refine his shooting mm-hmm. a little bit, refine Which he's already doing. his mid-range jumper just a little bit. He's already got a soft touch at the rim. This guy can be really special. I, you know what? I've already said it. Basically, me putting him at number two is, one, putting my money where my mouth is, and number two... How much money are you putting? We got a comment in, I can't remember if it was a Fast Break or a Primetime <laughs> yeah, Podcast, but I, I've i said this before, that first off, I feel like his ceiling could be an Anthony Davis-type player, a player that can get it done defensively, can get it done if he develops an, out, an outside shot, can be a guy that, oh, I'm going to hit it from three, I'm going to hit it from mid-range, I'm going to touch, have that light touch at the basket closer in. Now, the thing that I've gone in and I've said that, hey, you know what, he's, to me, five, ten years down the line, we're going to be looking at this going, man, Mo Bamba was the best big in this draft. And we had a comment, and that comment, I can't remember who it was, but they said, why, like, if Ricky's saying he's going to be the best big five, ten years down the line, why doesn't he have them? Why doesn't he have Mo Bamba as his top ranked big in the big board? And I saw that comment and I went, you know what? He's got a point. And that's why I did what I did today, where I made Mo Bamba my top big man off the board because I don't think that he's the best player in this draft to where he's going to be the number one pick. I think he could be, he could be in that discussion. I think Luka Doncic, number one, he is the best player in this draft. Then Mo Bamba is my best big because, like, DeAndre Ayton, there's questions about him. There's questions about Marvin Bagley. We've brought those up to at nauseum. Mo Bamba to me, it's like I, I bring up Anthony Davis, but I'll bring up another one. He could be like a Joel Embiid where it's like, man, he's a lot of potential, but I don't know if a team's going to have to bring it out. Of course, it's him ending up in the right spot. But, I mean, Mo Bamba, to me, could be that one that's kind of molded and puts in the effort. Like you mentioned, people are falling in love with him with interviews. The thing I love most about him is when he mentioned, like, yeah, the best thing about it now is I get to just work on my craft and work on my body. If you're going ahead and saying that, and I know players can say whatever they want, but, like, I I hear him say what he says, and I'm like, I don't think he's lying. I think this is a guy that is going to put in 110% to make his body the best that it can be. So he's not putting in anything that's going to be poisonous like a Big Mac every now and then from McDonald's. But, I mean, to me, that is why I put him in number two. He's I've talked about him being the best big man. Now I'm putting my money where my mouth is, and I'm ranking him as my best big man off the board. Yeah, again, that's that's one of the other things. Everyone has said it. He knows it. He, mm-hmm. He's got to get bigger. He's got to add more muscle, um, especially to his lower body. He's He's got to be a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher. Um and is his his physical toughness that is going to be one of his biggest questions. It has been already. Mm-hmm. So I think that if he's able to bulk up, that is going to be cleared up. That is going to go away, and there's going to be another positive over into his corner. Mo Bamba again. A lot of people, especially over that combine, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that just fell in love with him. You were one who was already going and buying him roses before it, yep. because that's how much you love the guy. So this is these are all positives for him. It makes sense 
for you to put him where you put him at number two. I'm not shocked by that at all. Here's the next guy I want to bring up, and this is a guy that just to kind of say where we thought he might be and where he was, all right, the ringer did change it. So they changed his height. So Trey Young, he's a guy that took a lot of flack at the combine, kind of almost the same reason why we talked about Zaire Smith was when it came to the measurements, Trey Young was, I believe, two inches shorter than everyone thought he was. Like, oh, 6'3", 6'3". Well, in shoes, he ended up being about 6'1 and a quarter. So people are looking at going, oh, he's 6'1 instead of 6'3". And, like, you look at the the wingspan that he has. He does have a 6'3 wingspan, but he's 6'1". His hand length was about 8 inches. Body fat, 5.35. What are your thoughts with Trey Young and how people thinking, oh, maybe, like, with him being shorter, is he really going to be that guy we want at the next level, or will he get stifled by NBA defenders in the NBA? I'll be honest with you, it doesn't do much for me. Okay. It, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me because I don't think that the, the two inches is going to do a whole lot because it's not going to affect his game at all. Mm-hmm. It's not. Do you think it, like, and affect, that's a key phrase, affect his game. Could it affect him, though, with an NBA-type defender? If someone does, basically, I'm going to put the situation, if someone does what the Clippers did to Lonzo Ball at the beginning of the year of, all right, young rook, we're going to put Patrick Beverly on you, who is basically our defensive specialist at the point guard position. If a team does that, does this height difference make a big difference in your mind that, like, oh, maybe a guy who's an elite NBA defender might be able to shut down Trey Young now at the next level? He'll just have to shoot it from farther, which he doesn't mind doing. But, mm-hmm. no, I, I think that he, maybe he just has to get a little bit more creative then with his shot mm-hmm. and shot selection. Um, but I don't think that it's going to change up a whole lot for him. What, what Trey Young was already doing, I mean, he's doing against, you know, guys of decent size in college. So I, I don't think that it's going to affect him all that much. I mm-hmm. think he's still going to be able to do what he does in terms of driving with the ball, dishing it off, all that kind of stuff. That's that's not going to change in my mind for, for Trey Young. So I, I, I don't. I don't worry about it. Do you? You know, I, it's a little bit of a worry. And the reason why is, I say kind of because it's not like, oh, my God, his draft stock is dead in the water. I would still take him top five if I was a team that needed a point guard. But the thing I look at is, and I'm going to make the side-by-side comparison again because we've done it this far. Why stop now? <laughs> Look at Steph Curry, who everyone wants to compare him to. Steph Curry's 6'3". So it's like, what if Steph was two inches shorter? Would Steph still be Steph? And that's a question will never be answered. That's a hypothetical what if. But, I mean, now I'm looking at the Bleacher Report article, and they their exact quote is, Young's combine measurements show he doesn't possess the prototypical physical traits, though. Is that true? Yes. Like, you want your point guard to be even like Steph at six three. People are going maybe about six four. Can we have him at six four? That'd probably be ideal. But I mean, having the smallest wingspan, having the six one height, 
it's not dead in the water, but I look at it and I go, all right, you're behind the eight ball. And it's going to be one of those things for me where it's like, how do you overcome this? This is one of those things where it's like life is throwing you lemons. Are you going to make lemonade out of it? Or are you just going to take that bag and go home and not make anything out of it? Trey Young, to me, will be that player that makes lemonade out of those lemons because that's the type of player he is. He will find a way, in my mind, to overcome this and succeed at the next level. Is he going to be a superstar? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But the thing that I like most about him is what I've been saying the entire time. He's got the shooting. Like, people say, oh, he's a volume shooter. Yeah, that's because Oklahoma had crap around him. Like, I I use that Rhode Island game as the example, and I know it's only one game, but it was the perfect game. I'm just going to shoot it because whenever I pass it to a teammate, it goes out of bounds. Screw it up. The ball doesn't help us if it goes out of bounds. So if it misses, at least I can say I put the game in my hands. I know exactly, like, what that mindset would be. But, I mean, the thing I look at is his passing ability is phenomenal. This is a shooter's league, and he's got the shooter's touch. Why would you pass up on that? Why would you pass up on a guy that could be one of the most dominant shooters, potentially, that we've seen since Steph Curry? Like, I wouldn't do that. If I needed a point guard or had a need for a point guard, I would be taking Trey Young in the draft. I'd be taking him top five. But... What do you think about that? Well, Is there well, anything that you need to add to that? Well, I, I just say? wanted to say again, maybe I am not as worried as I should be, mm-hmm. but I just I, I agree with you a, a lot in terms of Trey Young is not the mm-hmm. type of guy who, if there is a challenge, he's not going to just let that affect him. Yeah, at least not in a negative way. He'll let that affect him in a positive way. He'll mm-hmm. go and he'll change it. You know, he'll he'll be better. He'll be craftier. He'll. You know, maybe, maybe we'll see him have to, you know, d- drive a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, which isn't a bad thing. So I, I think that, um, you know, that's, it, it, again, to me, it's still not, I, ha- I haven't seen him yet mm-hmm. again, obviously, in, in NBA action. We, none of us have. Mm-hmm. But um, if we do, and it seems to be like, oh. But then, then there may be. It's not even a cause for concern, but maybe mm-hmm. then you have to change something. But until then, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna continue to say no. I don't think that's there's really any issue there. Last thing I want to bring up in this top five has to do with the guy I have at number one, the guy you have at number two, and that's Luka Doncic. We were originally going to mention this on the fast break, but then everything came out with the Suns trade rumors, the Grizzly trade rumors. Plus, Sean's a guy where I'm gonna flat out say it. Sean said it's smokescreen. We don't have to worry about it. And although I agree with him that I do believe this is a smokescreen, there's nothing really to read into it, I want to kind of throw out for the sake of argument on this big board a kind of what if. Because last Friday, the 17th, ESPN released an article, and it said, Luka Doncic undecided on joining NBA next year. And here's the exact quote from Doncic. He said, I'm not sure if these are my last two games in Europe. We'll have yet we'll have yet to make the or we have yet to make this decision, perhaps after the season. Now, Sean's on this side. I also am on this side of this is just Luka Doncic saying, you know what? I don't want to take anything away from my Real Madrid team that I'm playing with. I don't want to be a distraction to this team. 
that's why he said that. But what I want to ask you is not whether he will or won't he come over. What I want to ask you is what if the situation is he won't come over? He's not going to make his decision. Let's say, for the sake of argument, he pulls out of the draft completely. Says, you know what? I'm not coming over to the NBA. I'm going to stay in Real Madrid another year. Or just says, you know what? I'm going to stay no matter what. And you can draft me knowing that. Kind of a Ricky Rubio situation. When he was drafted, Timberwolves drafted him, and he stays overseas. How do you think that would affect the draft? If Doncic said, I'm definitely not coming over next year to the NBA. Is Trey Young going too? Do you, do you it's, think? It's, I mean, is Trey Young going too? Someone's going to need. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doncic is, is that point guard that people are looking for. Do you think for. Trey Young then slots Tra- right up? Or, I, I don't necessarily I don't or, necessarily know if that's the or case. Or do we see the run of big men at the top? Uh, people are going to look at, okay, they, they, they if they need a shooter, mm-hmm. they need a point guard. And all of a sudden, uh, what's his face? Doncic is gone. Does does Young come right up because mm-hmm. you're the next best point guard on their list? Okay, that guy's gone. Cross him off. Mm-hmm. Trey Young, you're up. Maybe it's interest. This is an interesting topic for me because, like I said, don't think it's going to happen, but. I mean, bringing in a little bit of the NBA side into this kind of topic is that there's also articles that there's, first off, the Suns that are at number one, they're not sure what they're going to do with that pick. Are they going to take Doncic, who Doncic is the, the coach at Phoenix now who just got hired from Utah. He used to coach Doncic on the Slovenian national team, so there's that connection. But then you've got their GM saying they want a big man, so there's Aiton. Then you got their GM saying, fuck it, we might even trade the pick altogether. So to me, they don't know what they're going to do with the pick. They they could flip a coin and be happy with that. Then number two, number three, there's reports saying that both the Kings and the Hawks are like, yeah, thanks, no thanks. We're not drafting Doncich no matter what. So to me, it goes to a fact of whether they have a big man in their mind and it goes, you know what? If Doncic is not there, Aiton goes one, Bagley goes two, Big Man X, whether it be Bomber or Jackson, go three. Or if it becomes a Big Man, Big Man, and then a team like the Hawks go, well, Doncic ain't there. Let's go with Trey Young. Well, what about, I mean, you said the two teams already said, you know, that's nice. We're going to pass on you anyways. Mm-hmm. What, if no. we saw, what if we saw every team do that? What if because of what he's saying here, because mm-hmm. of the potential that even if even if he does say no, even if he comes back, recants on that, says, okay, yeah, I'd want to come, but then not knowing, okay, does he stay? Does he actually come? Mm-hmm. If teams stayed away from him altogether and he doesn't even go in this draft. Well, and the exact thing, this is from Bleacher Report, says ESPN's Jonathan Giovanni reported Sunday there's a belief among some NBA decision makers that the Kings and the Hawks, who have the second and third overall picks respectively, could pass on Doncic in favor of American front court players. So to me, if Doncic just doesn't come over, then this kind of answers that to where it's like, we'll see the Suns go, well, we're not going with him. We'll go with Aiton or trade the pick. So Aiton 
then the Kings and the Hawks, whatever, we're going to do this anyways, Bagley Jackson or Bagley Bamba, and go boom, boom, to where Trey Young doesn't even move up because teams in the beginning just favor those front court players like Aiton, Bamba, Jackson, and Bagley. Well, you don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know at all. That that, that would, could be that a smokescreen in general. That could, and I mean, that has to be something that probably comes down to within the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, I mean, when does he have to know? When when does he have to let people teams know that he's going to count? See, that's the thing. And maybe someone in the comment section, I'm going to throw it on to you guys for help with this one because the international side, I don't know if there is the rule. If it's the same as the college, because like in the college players. At the Combine, there's some date in the next, like, week or two, I believe, after the Combine to where it's like, okay, by this date, you got to let us know whether you're in the draft or pulling out. I think it's two weeks after the Combine they have to kind of make that exact decision because now the NBA draft lottery is all set. The orders where they're at. They did their Combine thing. So it's got to be either this week or next week is that deadline I'm not sure. I would assume that the international players are in those same rules, but at the same time, the international players are in the special boat also of, you can draft me, you can draft my draft rights. Like I said, Ricky Rubio did that. The T-Wolves drafted him, had his draft rights. The Bulls did it too with uh, Miritich. Yeah, we have your draft rights, but now I'm going to stay overseas. So, I mean, he could do that. He could either pull out completely or what most international players do and just say, nah, I'm not coming over right now. And then, boom, you just have his rights, basically, for those many years. And I believe that contract then starts that first year he comes over. Can I be honest with you? Go ahead. I think that is stupid. <laughs> Why would you want to draft an mm-hmm. international player then because of all that BS? Some I wouldn't guys do, do it. it. I wouldn't do it. Some guys do it. I know that the two that I'm thinking of off the top of my head were... Rubio stayed overseas for a little bit before coming over. And then you had um, Nico because one of the guys we knew in college was always like, oh, man, wait for wait for wait for this guy. It was. Uh, oh, how did we say it back then? Morotic. Oh, this guy Morotic is going <laughs> to come over. And then we find out it's Miritich. But any final thoughts on any of the guys in the top five? We didn't talk about Bagley, Aiton, Jackson. No. Well. Is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section about Mo Bamba, about Trey Young, about anyone in our top five. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash Mosvale Podcast. If you like the podcast, want to help support us, want to come on a podcast in the future, check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Our store link is down below in the description. That's where you can get yourself an MVP t shirt. Mostvaluablepodcast.com is where you catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, you're on Apple Podcast or iTunes. Go give us a five-star rating and type in a nice review. We still have that one review saying we're just some good old boys that talk about <laughs> SEC football. And today, I don't even think, besides mentioning Colin Sexton's name, I don't even think we talked about the well. No, Kevin Knox was technically an SEC player, so we did talk about the SEC a little, but we oh, didn't hysterical. really focus on the SEC today. But thank you guys for watching, either if on YouTube or listening on podcast services around the world. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.